Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Well, I think we've decanted for long enough. It's time to sit back and enjoy Two Sharp Reds with Mark Schwarzer and Ollie Geel. Yep, that's right. It's that time of the week again. It's time for another episode of the Two Sharp Reds with myself, Ollie Gill, and Mark Schwartz. And Mark, uh, as you can see, we're, we're doing FaceTime as we've been doing uh, over the past couple of weeks. Do you like it? I've put sort of some memorabilia behind me. I've got my, my Crew Alexandra hat. I've got my Arsenal bucket hat. And then I've just got a, a, a picture of you with, with love hearts all over it. Does that make you feel good? Mate, I'm, I'm touched, very much touched, yeah. mate, that you've got me there. Um, nice picture. I, I wasn't flexing, honestly. I wasn't flexing in that picture. And, um, mate, the, the love heart, that, that adds a special, special touch, mate. Thank you. Will you sign that? Absolutely. Whenever you like. Yeah, 100%. And, and I think you're definitely, if you're not flexing, you definitely know a camera's on you. I've looked at it and you go, look at that smouldering look. You know 100% when a camera's on you, don't you? You, you generally do know when a camera's on you, but I can guarantee you that that's a result of not flexing, but many hours in the gym. Oh, so there's no cheat method involved? No, sorry, no, mate. I, I, know, I, I know you're looking for an easy way out. No, there's no easy way out. I and mean, listen, one of the Photoshop. ways that you can get away with not working out yeah. is just wear big baggy jumpers you know like like these american yeah. sport ones you know whether it's an a, a nfl or a ice hockey jumper you know oh it's kind of what, what are you wearing there mate is it kind of like what you're wearing right now yeah it, oh. you've you've uh, you've got me yeah right because it's an xl and that's it hides all it hides all sins as they say <laughs> it's perfect <laughs> So today's episode, Mark, will be trying the Wrangler Pinot Noir. So it's described here, for those who can't taste it with us, it's uh, described as a juicy and beautifully flavoured wine full of wild raspberry flavours and a subtle spice. This Pinot Noir is complex with hints of chocolate and plush velvety fruit. The, wang- the Wrangler Pinot Noir is a perfect match. Get this, I want you to have a guess what they reckon it's a perfect match for. Two things. Two things. Pinot Noir, two things. Hint, I was, a, I was slightly surprised. Were you? It's not yeah. going to say, like, it's not, surely it's not going to say a bowl of pasta. No. Um, I'll give you one of them. Okay. Uh, they reckon it's a perfect match for turkey. Okay. All right. Uh, fish. I, I'm going to have to give you that. They've gone for sushi. Okay. And I would assume that's a, you know, with a, with a nice salmon or... Yes. You know, that yes. sort of thing. But yes. a sushi, I, did, I didn't know that wine and sushi would kind of go. Hand mate, hand. It's, a, it's just with, up with the times, mate, of course. You know, everyone yeah. loves a sushi and it's, 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 it's just playing up with the times. So, Mark, we've got a few things we need to cover off. But before we do that, I do just want to say it's a very, I'm, I'm actually a little bit nervous because this is a big episode uh, for Middlesbrough fans. Uh, a little bit later on in the episode, we will be hearing from uh, Janino and, and Mark, something tells me from what we've seen online over the past 10 days that 
I get the sense middle Middlesbrough fans they they quite like Janino, don't they? Mate, I haven't had the, I didn't need the last sort of ten days or so to to or five days or so to to realise how big a name and how important he is to Middlesbrough, the community, the surrounding areas, Middlesbrough Football Club as a whole. It's incredible. Um, and, and, uh, and like, I think you, you, you were definitely blown away and surprised and, and I hadn't seen anything like it ever before. And when I told you, I said, listen, come up with the idea of putting these questions out to people and thought, Juninho's the one. I knew there would be a response. But yes, you, you kind of, it's really, it's kind of nice. It's re- so nice to see grown, grown people, adults, kind of become like children when you talk about Juninho. Um, I suppose idols, stars, you know, people that have idolised as a kid growing up, watched, and th- and then they're just fascinated by it. And and you know, I, I understand also why they think that. Firstly, he was a phenomenal player. Secondly, he's just such a nice guy, and that came across on every day when he was at Middlesbrough, living in his, you know, living in the community he was living in, you know, m- mixing with, you know, the people in Middlesbrough. And, and, and everyone felt like he was just one of theirs. He was like a brother. He was like, you know, it was, almost, it was a relative. He, they felt like they were, he was one of them. Well, this is a, a personal shout-out then for, for all Middlesbrough fans listening. Uh, stay with us. We will get there, and you'll hear the great man himself speak very soon. But we've got a few topics that we need to, to cover off. So, Mark, cheers. Cheers, mate. Enjoy your Wrangler Pinot and possibly some turkey or sushi on the side. A reminder, if you are a new listener here at the Two Shot Reds, we'll aim to try a different red wine every episode, and towards the end we'll compare it to a player, past or present, as the best way we can possibly try. It gets dif- more difficult every week. Well, it could also be a manager, let's not forget. It could be a manager. Exactly right. So a player, manager, past or present. Um, more often than not, it's one I've had experience with. You, you've probably fantasised about. Let's be honest. Yeah, well, no, not probably. That's 100%. Correct. Okay, cool. That's fine, yeah. So let's get stuck into the footy and let's talk about Wayne Rooney. Um, we know him as a prolific goal scorer for Everton, United, what he was able to achieve in his very short span in the States, uh, you know, what he's been slowly doing at Derby. We get, we hope that we get to see him in a Derby shirt at least one more time. And certainly no Derby fans would hope that. But he said that, uh, yes, he's the Man United and England record goal scorer but I should have scored more goals. Now, for someone who's got the record for their country, and arguably, well, not arguably, the most successful side in English football, how could you possibly walk away from this, Mark, and go, geez, I, I probably should have scored more? Oh, I mean, I've played in games where he should have scored more. I mean, I've played in games against me where he didn't score against me. Not many, but it, there were games he didn't score. And he definitely looked back at games. Listen, it doesn't matter how many goals you score. You'll always, I think, as a striker, go, I should have scored more. It's the same as me as goalkeeper. You know, you, there are games where you go, I should have kept more clean sheets. I know I should have kept more clean sheets. Absolutely. The fact is you didn't. You know, you, you made a mistake. You didn't quite get there. Whatever. And Wayne Rooney will be the same. You know, there were, there were games where he'll remember opportunities in games, misses that he had, that he would have done a hundred times. He would have scored a hundred times before that had he got that opportunity uh, beforehand. But for whatever reason, that moment, he missed it. That's just a fact of life. But you know what? What a phenomenal goal-scoring record he's got. Like you said, club and country. And um, you know, he was a, such a good player uh, at his peak. And the way he burst on the scene, you know, as, a, as an Everton youngster, uh, scored against that, that average team from London. What were they called? Um, a to- was it Tottenham? No, was it- I think it was, a, it was a red and white team, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, and I scored against, obviously, Arsenal. 
fantastic team. But you know, it was what a breakthrough that was. And did anyone really believe, other than probably Everton fans and the Everton team and management, did anybody ever think that he'd go on to accomplish what he did? Probably not. Probably not. And, and I suppose the question marks are out there. And, and you're, you're, a, I suppose, a good person to ask this because, as you said, you've, you've faced him many times. In fact, yesterday I saw a highlight of yours where you saved, I think it was three shots in a row against United, and he was the third one, and you stopped it. And you, when I was watching him, even though he should have scored in that scenario, I was looking at his body shape, and you go, there's not a lot... He doesn't look like a prolific goal scorer, does he? You know, there's there's certain reasons that you can look back at his career and go, how is he this good? You know, it's like the, the theory of, you know, when they say bumblebees shouldn't be able to fly, like, because all their proportions are off. But yeah, they managed to do it. There's many a players like that, isn't there? I mean, you look at Harry Maguire. Uh, Harry Maguire does not look like a centre-half. He doesn't look like a footballer. How is he playing no. football? You know, like, you, you, there's, I think there's multiple examples of of. of Athletes that don't really fit the traditional sense of what an athlete looks like in that particular code. Some don't even look like an athlete. Full stop. Look at look at American football players. You know there are some some players there. That you go, how do you come under the category of being classed as an athlete? Um, it's a great sport, Mark. I'm not saying it's not a great sport. I'm just saying that when you talk about what is an athlete, you know, what is a traditional looking athlete in that particular code? Yes, there is a general kind of look, but there are always exceptions to the rule, and and uh, you know Wayne Rooney at times. Uh, there's no doubt, you know, he had, he, he's always fought with his with his weight control. He's had to work at it. There's there's, there's no doubt about it. But geez, he's made he's made the most of his career. I mean, he's been a phenomenal player, phenomenal servant, and he's still going and still has hunger and desire to to accomplish more. Well, that's the other thing that I was thinking about when when the comments came up from him. When I started to think about his career, obviously we saw him go to Everton, to United, back to Everton, to DC, to Derby. Was there something that, when he went to Washington, you could make the argument that you go, oh, do you know what I mean? Like, like when Beckham went to Galaxy, when Henri went to, to New York, Timmy Cahill the same, you just go, oh, that's the end then. But then to be able to come back to a professional level in England and let's not forget he's not played in the championship before it's a completely different you know system I would argue that it would be a real culture shock for him to be able to play it at that intensity you know even though it's a lower league than the Premier League but I was just really impressed with 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 coming back and continuing a, a challenge and he seems to to relish that you know to enjoy being able to just put himself in the deep end and go, all right, what's next? Well, I think, you know, it just goes to show his determination to continue to play. He's realised at, 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 at probably just the right time that if he wanted to continue playing football at a, at a high level, he needs to really look after himself. He needs to work hard. He needs to continue to have that drive and, and that determination to, to prove people wrong. You know, when he left Everton, people were like, well, he's at the end of his career. You know, he's no longer good enough to play regularly in the Premier League. You know, he may prove all these doubters wrong. You know, if Derby get promoted, you never know. You just never know. I mean, the likelihood of him getting promoted this year is probably remote. However, you, you never know. Um, it's interesting, you know, when you see people in their different careers and you kind of go at the beginning of their careers, would they have ever made it to the top? And, and like I said, Wayne Rooney, who, who saw it? Who saw that he'd have the impact that he had, uh, that he could have throughout his career? It was a bit like Mo Salah when he left Chelsea. Did anybody ever see him get to the levels that he's at right now? Kevin De Bruyne, Bruyne probably a little bit more so. An interesting one that came up the other day was, it was, a, was a name from the past. 
It was, a, it was a name that I hadn't heard for a long, long time, and it came up on the Middlesbrough feed after the whole Janinho um, sort of uh, you know, attention and people responding, you know, unbelievable amounts of people asking questions about Janinho, and not only asking questions, but the amount of people that actually just said, just tell him I love him, just telling me yeah. like he's the best player ever, was amazing. You know, I've got nothing to ask him, but just tell him I love him. Tell him he's an he's amazing guy. Um, and and, and that, that was also pretty, pretty uh, remarkable. So one of the names that popped up, someone said, by the way, Mark Somerville, midfielder, used to play, you probably never heard of him. Um, it was a real talent coming through. Made, a, made quite a few appearances in the Premier League, and he's now a local postman at their, in their village. Which, which was kind of like, in one way, it was quite funny. It was refreshing. Um, but it was a, a name from the past that, that, that obviously I saw on the feed from, from a lot of Middlesbrough fans. That is sensational. I mean, you can't get much better than that, can you? Oh, like, imagine, imagine being a Middlesbrough fan and you go, ding dong, who's there? Hi, mate, can you sign this for me? Can you, can you sign this for me? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it kind of been, it would be one of those moments where they'd be just staring at him and just signed anything. Yeah. He'd end up probably signing him on his arm or something like that, not realising it wasn't the paper. You can imagine. <laughs> but back to what you said as well. Who, you know, who would have thought, you know, you've got a lot of admiration for, for Wayne Rooney, going, leaving the Premier League, going to the States, coming back. Well, another player that, you, I mean, you know of, but I'm not sure if you remember, is Dwight York. Sure. When he left the UK, went to Australia, played at Sydney FC... And after, I'm not quite sure whether it was one or two seasons, came back and went to Sunderland and played in the Premier League for a number of years. So he dropped back from being a, a striker to playing in midfield for Sunderland. That's a, yeah, that's an incredible story. And, uh, you know, take nothing away from the Australian League, but that, that is a, bit, a slight downfall. So to be able to, you know, bounce back like that is incredible. And it leads me on to the, the next uh, thing I wanted to bring up. Um, there, were, there have been some conversations, of course, about the state of football within Australia uh, on Optus Sport and on all their, their channels where, uh, Mark, I suppose the only way I could describe it to be a, a childhood dream of mine came true to see a reunion of some of the great Socceroo players. But, but how did you find that conversation of the state of football discussing where the game is at in Australia and, and, and being able to you know, get back to talking with you know, blokes like Greller and, and Mark Viduka is uh, another great name. Yeah, no, it was brilliant. You know, Dukes has obviously come out of hibernation, the big bear. He's, he's, uh, he's been sleeping for, for at least about eight or nine years and uh, he, he's come out of hibernation. I, I've had contact with him over the last couple of years as well, so I've spoken to him every now and then and just talked about life and what he's up to and how much, you know, what he's, in, what he's doing himself. And, and he spoke about life in Zagreb and Croatia, and we, we, talk, we both have a bit of a passion for skiing, which we talked about as well. So, yeah, it, it's quite funny. And then all of a sudden he appears, and, you know, I asked him if he wanted to come on this, on this show to have a chat, you know, a discussion group. And it's... He's got, this, he's got this burning desire to be involved, want to try and make a difference in the game in Australia. And, and, I, and I think it's such an important and powerful uh, uh, tool to have that these guys, ex-players, all of us get together and we, we talk about football. But it's not that you need to have the same opinion. It's just that it's a discussion group. And, and not all of us had exactly the same opinion uh, on, the other night in the discussion. But what was interesting is, first and foremost, you know, you could clearly see that all of us were, were having a ball being together, all of us having a ball about chatting about football. The environment, I think, allowed it to as well, even though, 
you know it's being broadcast live, but you're all in your own house, you're in your own environments, yeah. and you're, you're feeling very relaxed, and you're having an open discussion. And one of the key things about the discussion was not to be as if we just wanted to, to, to crucify the game, we want to try and find solutions as well. We want to try, first and foremost, give our opinion as to what we think is wrong. We kind of bring out, you know, we talk about the governance of the game, and I was obviously very, very, um, very clear on my stance, my stance on on where the game is going, or where the game hasn't gone, or, or, or how the game is actually run. And 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 the guys were pretty much in agreement with that. And I think when you look at the other key. Uh, issues that we spoke about we're all in agreement that we need a second division in Australia even probably a third division eventually also about relegation and promotion that needs to come in at some stage um, not that I think now is the right time but it needs to come and obviously the other big topic is is fees fees to play football in Australia and particularly once you get above that local club level and you start to get into any kind of uh, of, of a more of a uh, competitive environment and a higher level the fees are just extortionate. So, so firstly, uh, if you haven't been able to see it, make sure you head to, to Optus Sports YouTube and Facebook to rewatch the state of football with with some of these guys. But Mark, I'll ask you two things. One, how important is it uh, for footballers or athletes or a part of a team to be able to have these reunions and, and chats uh, from a friendship standpoint and from a professional standpoint as well? But then also, was was the the topic about fees in Australia, was that your major takeaway, do you think, when you walked away from that discussion? I'm sure you might have, you know, when you were doing your, your 17K run that you do every morning at 4am after you've eaten, you know, 17 eggs, uh, you would have been thinking about it. And Was that the main thing that you walked away from, really going, that is that is the big issue that we need to, to solve? No, my number one... Um, it, when I started the process, right, when we all started the process of actually uh, having the first initial discussion of like, can we get this off the ground? Can we get everyone together? Is everyone first and foremost willing? Is everyone first and foremost willing to allow um, your thoughts, your, your, your beliefs of the game and the way that the state of the game in Australia to be public knowledge, to get it out on a platform? Um, and, and that's always a challenge because we, we have these discuss- we have had those discussions for years. That, that, that discussion that we had is not a new discussion. The difference is it was a new live broadcasted discussion that is out there for everybody to hear. And that's the major difference. For me, over the last, particularly in the last couple, last week or so, of really starting to think about it and, and, and really look into it a little bit more and trying to inform myself as much as possible, coming to the conclusion that, yes, we need a second division. We, we need to get rid of fees. We need to make it more affordable, not become an elitist sport. Um, the AIS program was a big, a big debate, and the boys were very passionate about it. And I think I, 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 think I was the only one that wasn't part of that program. Um, everyone else was. Um, you know, they were very, very passionate about it, and I understand why. But the one thing that, for me, the only way the game is truly going to change and the sport becomes unified... Is, this, is if the governance of the game is changed, the system, the setup. And we are, we are a, a bit of a nominally in, in Australia in so far as we have, we kind of have, the, the, the way that the game is controlled and governed is from the bottom up rather from the top down. We have a, a, a national organization that is there, it is more just a figurehead than, a, than, a, than, a, than an organization that actually can make a difference, can set a course for the game to run. 
And on the one on the on the few occasions they've been able to make a difference, they've been able to implement uh, their you know a, a, a new a new system, a new a new protocol in terms of way you want to play the style of football, the way a football should be played, the way that you know a, a structure, and that was able to be implemented. Whether it was right or wrong, whether you agree with it or not, is another thing. The other thing is that, other than that, most of it is blocked, and it's blocked by various states. And then, and, and, and also further down the line, they're also controlled by the various associations within those states. And, and that, for me, has to change. If we are going to be united as a sport, and we are going to be able to speak as one from the very top all the way down, there definitely has to be a governance of not only the sport from the top down, but the top has to be governed as well. So that there has to be a system in place that makes sure that they are also held accountable for. Um, and so that's the case with the English FA, is it? Yes, it is. The English FA run the game in this country from top to bottom. The various counties are in existence, but they, they answer to the FA. And if the FA wants to initiate a program, um, then they initiate the program. And, and the various associations need to then adopt it. Um, and I'm not saying that they just come up with a system and then say, right, go and implement it. There, there, there's no doubt that you need to have discussion. You need to be, you know, you need to, you need to have a discussion group. You need to, 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 to put it out there and, and have a, a proper a protocol in place whereby you actually have a discussion group to allow you to come to the best solution. Use ideas, bounce ideas off each other. And, and, and that's something that we don't do enough. And, and, and one of the other things that came up was the fact that, you know, we talk about funding. And I, and I, and I said that in the debate was that the, F, the, sorry, the AFL in Australia gets double the funding that we do. They have mm. half the number of participants across the country. They have no national teams. They only have a club league and a whole lot of juniors, no, no doubt about it. And they run it unbelievably well. I mean, it's an, it's an unbelievable example of, of how a sport can succeed. But they're unified from the top all the way down across every aspect of the game across the entire country. Whatever the AFL say from the top happens. We don't have that. We have such a disjointed organization or organizations. And that to me has to change first before anything else can really be implemented. Halftime drinks here on the Two Shop Reds. Mark, how are you enjoying your, your Wrangler Pinot? Very well, mate. I tell you, you know, Pinot is one of my favorites, if not my favorite. So any Pinot works for me, mate. I, I'm, I'm easy when it comes to a Pinot. So here in England, uh, where we're both based, the weather is, oh, it is turning rapidly. We are absolutely on our way into summer, which is territory that I'm slightly concerned about, Mark, because I've only known you in slightly colder months. Uh, red wine during heats. Are we going to have to become the two sharp sangrias? Or yeah, but, you know, how are we going to go about this? Well, there's red wine in it. Don't get me wrong. You know, listen, let's be honest. There is red wine in sangria. Um, so it wouldn't, wouldn't be difficult to make that transition. Um, generally, listen, generally it's not that hot. It's not like Australian summer. We don't have those summers over here. We, we, get, we do definitely get our 30 plus degree days every now and then. We do have them, sometimes we'll have them for, for a week or two in a row. Um, and, and, you know, yeah, red wine's probably not the best drink to go to. And maybe we need to look at sangria, but... At this moment in time, for the vast majority, I think of uh, definitely now in spring. Spring's still a beautiful time of the year. It's actually my favourite, my favourite uh, time of the year. Spring, everything comes to life. The change is significant. 
the weather changes, you have an extra spring in your step. Come on, you've got to admit that. You, you must get up in the morning now oh, absolutely. and have an extra spring in your step. I certainly will. You know, in the winter months, I don't even have a spring. So you know, <laughs> I've not got an extra one. I've just got one now. No, I totally agree. And, and I just want to say, I love the way that you answered that like you're a politician, you know, well, look, what we'll, we'll probably do is just take it one step at a time. We'll, we'll, we'll cross the Sangria Bridge when we do, you know, come to it in the later months. Uh, no, I, I just, I really like that you took it seriously, Mark. Thank you. Uh, but calling all Middlesbrough fans now, this is uh, the time that you've been waiting for, no doubt. Uh, Mark, I'll, I'll tee this one up for you and I want you to hit it out of the park, but uh, you did speak to your great mate, Janino. I did. Listen, you know what? It was a great honour. It was an unbelievable honour to see him again. He was in uh, Sao Paulo in Brazil, and we hooked up uh, via the computer, had a really good chat, and we spoke for over an hour. So, you know, he was very generous of his time. It was great to see him, like I said. We, we chatted about kids. We chatted about each other's wives, what we're up to, and all that sort of stuff. And then we talked about football. And again, it was, you know, going through his various stages in Korea and very heavily focused on Middlesbrough. Because obviously, let's be honest, he was there for three on three occasions. He's such a big figure, an important figure for the Middlesbrough fans. And uh, was then and is still very much today. And the response that we had from people, uh, the Middlesbrough fans in particular, online was, was incredible. Um, one of the things, you know, there were, there were, I don't want to reveal the questions. Because you're going to listen to them very shortly of the, of the ones that we chose. And because there were a lot, a lot of people that, that asked similar questions. And, and, and one of the questions at the end, I think I mentioned about four or five people's names that literally asked the same question. So I tried to credit as many as possible. Um, and uh, he was very honest. And, he, and, and in some ways, he was surprised with certain questions and certain, uh, certain uh, information that he was provided with. Uh, so listen to it, guys. It's the great man, Janino, everything you've been waiting for. Um, and uh, I think you'll kind of know what he's going to say, but it'll be great. it's great to hear it. Junior, uh, we've got a question here from Josh Wharton. He said, uh, if you were making a vegetable omelette, which vegetables would you choose and why? I can't understand the question. If I was... Making, if you were making an omelette... You know, with omelette. Yeah. Okay. And you had to, to, and you were making it with vegetables. Which vegetables would you put in your omelette and why? Well, strange question. <laughs> question I like broccoli. I like, I like broccoli. Yes. So you have broccoli. Uh, and then uh, I could put bro- broccoli and why? Um, because the taste. You love the taste. So you're going to have a pickle, one vegetable, broccoli, omelette. Yes. Sounds good. Sounds good. I'm, I'm hungry now. So the next question <laughs> is from a guy called Scott Stonehouse. He said, and there's an amazing picture, which I'll send to you later on. It said, okay. can you ask if you'll be my son's godfather, seeing as though he's named after the little fella? Sebastian Juninho Stonehouse is his name. <laughs> that was amazing. See, this is how this is how you affected people in Middlesbrough. Nah, it's amazing. It's amazing. That's why it's, uh, I I feel my my second home. So when I heard the situation of that, uh, it's unbelievable. It's, uh, it's only it's make my 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 days make my life because that's what's important. Not you are you have. 
uh, when you when you go with the I don't know to other life, what are you doing in this life? So when I see people doing the things like this, make me very happy. Thank you. Uh, another question is from Kay Murray. Um, why do you think you you have such a strong connection with people in Middlesbrough? Um, there's also stories when you were there that you were playing with kids in the street playing football. Is this true? Well, was, um, my connection is because uh, the, 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 the feeling of the people on me too, uh, since my arrival at this site, um, I had this feeling uh, with the people. Uh, they were very welcome me. So it's make me feel comfortable since of beginning. And then, yes, um, I played with uh, a few kids. Uh, I, I, I used to live in my first period. I used to live in, in Ingo Bibawik. And the people know where I was living. And then was kid in the, in, the, in the street. They came to lock my door to, to ask me some autographs. And then and one, and one day they came and said, oh, Johnny, do, do you want to play with us? And then I just went to the to the road, and then it starts to pass the ball with them and play and and make fun with them. Uh, amazing, absolutely. You must have made their life. I can imagine it must have been amazing <laughs> for them. Um, two more questions. So Robert Busby, he's asked, uh, how does it make you feel that knowing that 25 years later, Middlesbrough fans still sing your name every single game? I didn't know they they still sing in my name. Uh, it surprised me. Uh, well, it's uh, like I said, <laughs> it's unbelievable. I never had um, uh, a support like this, even here in Brazil, the, the, even in Ituano, even in São Paulo. Um, I never had a feeling of that. So it just make me very very happy it's an unbelievable feeling when you when you heard things like this so uh, the last question eric walsh tom uh, straker sam kenny and a guy called Craigsy, they've all asked the same question and it's do you ever fancy becoming a manager would you ever like to become a manager um and would you would you go and coach middlesbrough ever I don't have this feeling to be a manager. Um, when I was in my career, I want to be part of one club, but not as a manager, as a um, as a owner, or like I did with the Ituano. Um, the 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 career of manager is 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 difficult, especially here in Brazil, because I have to start here in Brazil. I have to start to learn here uh, first, then maybe go to, to, to manage a Middlesbrough. Uh, and then in Brazil, it's too difficult to be a manager because uh, you can be sacked after a month, two months. It's not a, a long plan. And that's why I, was, um, I, I, I didn't think to be a manager. So uh, I'd love to help Middlesbrough in some way, but I don't think I would help as a manager. So maybe, maybe as a sport director, maybe as an owner one day. Who knows? No, 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 no. I, I left to Gibson. No, no. He's, <laughs> he's a great owner, so he, he needs to be there. <laughs> <laughs>
Janino there, probably Middlesbrough's best ever player and also nicest bloke. Um, and a reminder for all Middlesbrough fans as well that we'll, we'll make sure to let you know as soon as that full chat is out on all Optus Sport channels so you can really sink your teeth into, as Mark said there, about a, a good hour chat. But they are some great questions from the fans. I suppose, Mark, um, you, you've obviously spent what over 10 years in Middlesbrough or, or around about that. Nearly 12 Nearly 12. Thanks for coming. I mean, that's great. So I suppose you're a better person than anyone to answer this. From a Janino's perspective, other than the fact he was such a great player, why do Middlesbrough fans love him so much? And then vice versa, why did he warm to Middlesbrough so much, do you think? Well, it's like it's like one of those questions. Um, you know, in that, in that piece there, we just heard Janino speaking about... Was it true that you went into the street one day and you played a whole a, like a, a game of football with the, ki- the local kids? And he and he did. And, and how many stories do you hear about professional footballers going out in the street and playing a game of football in the street with with, with a whole bunch of kids that come and knocking on his door randomly? You very 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 rarely ever hear it. And and that that's just what he was like. First and foremost, he loved football. He loved playing football nonstop. Give him a ball and. He was dangerous. <laughs> he was dangerous off the pitch. He was dangerous on the pitch. And dangerous in terms of he just didn't want to stop playing. Um, and then, you know, he, he just, you know, I think maybe it's his upbringing in Brazil. Maybe, you know, it's that, that thing of being a team of the people. The Brazilian national team, the club teams, they're always open. Everything is open. The training is open. The hotels are open. The fans can flock in there. The national team, when you see the Brazilian national team, all the way, every game that they play in, there's, there's none of this lockout rule. There's no, none of this fans can't come into the hotel. When you see Brazil at a World Cup, the hotel is full of fans that are waiting in the foyer, waiting for their stars, for their superstars to walk through. The players walk through, have pictures taken. They do sign autographs. Yes, of course, they do go through because if they stayed there the whole time and signed everyone, they, they would never get to training. They'd never get anywhere. But they are the team of the people. And I think that resonated very much with Juninho and Middlesbrough fans when he came to Middlesbrough because that was part of his upbringing. That's what they're used to. And he was already playing for Brazil at that time. So it was, it was for him just normal. Um, and of course, you've got to do the business on the pitch. And by far and away, he was a standout player. He was a different level to everyone. I mean, Ravinelli was phenomenal, but he was a striker and he, he was brilliant. And Emerson was brilliant. But Juninho was just that little bit further above them. Do you think he's the best player to, to pull on a Middlesbrough shirt? Outfield player, of course. Just uh, definitely in the time that I was there. Yeah, def- definitely from, from the knowledge that I know, like the time that I was spent at the club, from players that I saw playing for the club, yes. At that, that, that period. I, I, was only, I only played with him for, I think it was three months, because I signed in February, uh, 20, I think it was 28th of February, 1997, and I only played uh, 13 games for the, in, in, in the first team in the Premier League because I, bro- I broke a bone in my leg. So I missed the last sort of 10 or 12 games of the season. So, and at the end of the season, Juni moved on. So I only got a chance to play with him for literally 13 games. But in those games, in training, he, he was insane. He was insane, the way he played. In games, you know, it was like give Juni the ball and Juninho, Emerson, Ravinelli, that triangle, they created, they scored... They dictated everything. And there was a real division. There was a real divide between those three and the rest. I mean, they were, they were on another level. They were brilliant. Uh, one thing that I touched on a little bit earlier from a Middlesbrough fan perspective that I've really come to know, and you've had so long of this, you must love it, you're very lucky, but the passion of a, middle, of a Middlesbrough fan 
is incredible. Honest, I've been blown away. What is it? Is it? I suppose. I mean, yeah. Obviously, they're a one club town. They're not a one club area in terms of you know you've got your your Sunderland's and Newcastle's in that general vicinity, of course. But what? But what? What is it about Middlesbrough that they just love so much? And they're so passionate. They speak so highly about. They're just very interactive. It's it's great to see. I think you know there was a period when when particularly when I was there. Um, where we got to the UEFA Cup final, and, and all the talk was like, "You've got to go. We're going to go on to the next stage. We're going to go to the Champions League. We're going to we're going to compete for that top end of the table." That jump was that, that jump was enormous. The problem was we got to that UEFA Cup final, but everything changed straight after that. I mean, players left like Jimmy Floyd Asselbank, his contract wasn't renewed, and whether that's right or wrong, that's an, the question is. Who do you replace them with? Do, do you replace them with a younger version, as good, different quality, but as good in terms of level? Um, you know, Gareth got his first job as a manager. Steve McLaren left and went and managed England. You know, there was a lot, a lot of changes. Um, so, so there was a period of time then when, when the fans, you know, obviously were, were were expecting a lot more, and we we weren't able to produce that. We ended up finishing like mid table for most of the time onwards. And then eventually in 2008, 2009, the club got relegated. And I think it's taken that time for the club, a lot of, a lot of the fans to really appreciate, not that they didn't re- appreciate it then, I just think it resonates so much more now of what that was and how important that was. And, and, and listen, they, they still talk about that was, the best, that was the best time ever in the club's history. A lot of fans talk about that 96-97 team season as being the best ever. And which is quite remarkable in terms of got to two cup finals, lost them both, and got relegated. And they talk about it as being the best ever team and best ever season. And that that surprises me a little bit, but I kind of get it as well because the connection between the Middlesbrough fans and Janino was so strong. That just, even in a short period of time, I think he was there for, what, two seasons in the end. And that connection was so strong in a, after a very short period of time. Um, and and, and so, so a lot of fans were, were looking at that to try and have that connection again, even though they loved, you know, even though there's no doubt they loved the, the path, you know, loved winning the, 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 what was the Carling Cup back then, winning that League Cup first trophy in the club's history. You know, I, was, I saw a stat today that Newcastle's last silverware was in 1960-something. It was, a, it was some, uh, some cup competition. I don't even know if it was the League Cup, a different name, I'm not quite sure. But that was the last time they won a cup. So, so Middlesbrough were actually the most successful club in the North East. They won a League Cup and got to a U, U, European Cup final yeah. in the 2000s. Yeah, I, I suppose they'll certainly be hoping that there's brighter days to come. That's, there's no shadow of a doubt about that. Um, but from that full chat with Janino that, that will come out very soon... Was there anything in particular that you can kind of hint towards, or was there was there a surprise at all with with that chat with him? There, there was one thing that I that, that didn't surprise me really. I don't know, just because like you, you go through the whole thing in your head and you go, well, two, you know, ninety six, ninety seven, two cup finals, lost them both, got relegated, and it was disaster. It was a disaster for us, you know. And in the end, we got we got relegated because plain and simple we didn't go and play a game. And it was actually just, it was before I arrived there, it was a game where the game was, well, Middlesbrough didn't show up. And it was because apparently they had a lot of players ill. And, and the penalty for not playing in that game 
was that not only did they not get three points, of course, because you didn't play the game, you don't get three points. Blackburn were awarded, awarded three points, plus a 3-0 win. But Middlesbrough, we deducted three points. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was, was kind of like potentially a six-point swing. And the fact that they lost three points cost us in the end. It cost us the survival in the Premier League. We, with those three points, we would have stayed up. And, and uh, that was a defining moment of the season. It, it, was, it was insane. So to hear that in the end, right, so we, get, we lose both cup finals and Junior leaves. And to ask him and have that conversation, and, and, and I asked him, I asked him very honestly, I said to him, Junior, would you have left? And it was, it was I say surprising, but then taking it all into context, it wasn't surprising what his answer was. Can we can we say? Can we not? Oh. Uh, I think people can guess what he would have said. And, and you know yeah. what? Very shortly, it'll all be revealed. Mark, that's about all the time we've got for here on another episode of the Two Sharp Reds. Uh, I've already finished my glass of the Wrangler. You're just, you know, relaxing and, and pouring yourself another one, if you don't mind, I suppose. Yeah, well, who does the editing of this podcast. Yeah, I just pour myself a little bit more because, you know, it'd be rude not to to finish on at the end with a, just a bit of a cheers, a little bit extra? I, I'm going to float an idea past your way. Uh, now, you can either agree, disagree, that's totally fine. Traditionally, we compare the bottle of wine to a player, but I think, given the response in having Juninho on the show, I feel comfortable in allowing this to be uh, a dedication to Juninho, maybe. You know, this is the wine that we have when going, oh yeah, Junie. Well, the only thing I'd say is I, I actually compared Junie to the wine last week. You did, you did. That's, you compared him though. Yeah. You, did you, you didn't... Didn't dedicate. Oh, okay, I'm happy yeah. with that, mate. Listen, I think we're talking about a guy of legendary status and he's, a, like I said before, he's a wonderful guy um, and uh, it, was, it was an honour to play with him, to have been around him, to have chatted to him. Um, I caught up with him uh, you know, in, in last year in, in Milan at the FIFA Best Awards and it blew me away because I saw him at the last minute and went over to see him and chatted to him you know, for about 15, 20 minutes. We exchanged numbers again and it was great to catch up with him. Um, so it was brilliant to, to speak to him and I'll actually, what I'll do is I'll, I'll at the end of it, part of this, this, this whole podcast, I'll, I'll, I'll send you the, the picture of us catching up in Milan and we can use it on the, we can put it out to everyone Fantastic. to see later on as well. Absolutely. Well, Mark, uh, cheers. Uh, cheers to Janinio and cheers to the people of, of Middlesbrough who probably don't... Uh, I had a look at, uh, you know, where some of the, the grapevines are, you know, in England to see if there's a Middlesbrough a red wine. Couldn't see one, so maybe no. we can also dedicate this, this wine to, to Middlesbrough fans as well. For sure. Let's do that. Why not? Absolutely. When your skin feels nourished and glows, you radiate confidence. Osea makes giving your skin a glow up easy with their clean, clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This seaweed-powered duo features two of Osea's best sellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com, code GLOW.